um, go again and see not just the film and the play, but read the text of uh, Robert Bolt's wonderful play, Man for All Seasons. Some of you must have seen it. Um, where Sir Thomas More decides that he would rather die uh, than lie or betray his faith. And at one moment, Moore is arguing with a particularly vicious witch-hunting prosecutor, a servant of the king and a hungry and ambitious man. And Moore says to this man, um, you'd, uh, you'd break the law to punish the devil, wouldn't you? And the prosecutor, the witch hunter says, break it, he said, I'd cut down, I'd cut down every law in England if I could do that, if I could capture him. And Moore says, yes, you would, wouldn't you? And then when you'd corner the devil and the devil turned round to meet you, where would you run for protection? All the laws of England having been cut down and flattened, who would protect you then? All right, welcome everybody to the YAL podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Jerry. And Jameson is not joining us today, but we have a guest who's been on the podcast multiple times. We have Ozzy. Ozzy's back on the podcast. How's it going today? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> nice. Well, it's good to have you back on. Um, sorry, we've been a, a little bit MIA from the news. We we're just uh, not from news, but from podcasting. We're just trying to at least I was trying to take a break from the news so much and then just kind of reassess. And I felt like I was getting so bogged down, but um, yeah, I think now with winter coming and nothing else to do uh, better buckle down and uh, do some more podcasts because the world yeah. needs uh, reasonable opinions out there. So uh, yeah, I better be doing this, but um, yeah, I guess what, what prompted us to to kind of get back together and, and, record some episodes is uh we're recording this on tuesday november 9th and what's going on in the news tuesday november 9th, november 9th 2021 um and what's going on in the news is uh i'll let you i kind of want to get your initial opinions on this ozzy but um it's two things are standing out right now is the kyle rittenhouse trial and then also the indictment of um igor dechenko uh, who was part of the uh, the Steele dossier and the whole Russia collusion and Russia Gate? Um, we can dive into each individual case um, and kind of pick it apart. But I think sort of a, a meta topic, which would be interesting, which would be how is the media representing these cases versus what is reality or like what are the actual facts on the ground? So um, if, I think that's a good summary of, of what prompted this podcast but yeah what are you what are kind of your initial thoughts on that and just kind of what the media is portraying and when i mean by the media i mean like the cnn new york times msnbc what they're portraying versus what reality looks like yeah um i mean just from from my interpretation of what's happening specifically in the kyle rittenhouse case is um is a man who's clearly if you look at the evidence and you look at like the video and you see what happened and you look at like the the prior 
videos of him and who this guy is and what he was actually trying to do. I think the idea that this kid just went out to Kenosha just to intentionally murder people is just like so alien to me if you if you just look at the facts and um and yeah it's just it's just crazy to me how the media has built up this narrative that this kid wanted to just go out and murder two innocent people and he's just getting away with it because he's a, he's a white supremacist and you see this all over twitter not just the mainstream media but most of the mainstream political left has jumped on this narrative as well and um and yeah i mean i think the last couple of days if you look at the trial to me it just put the nail in the coffin as to the fact that this kid is clearly innocent and um and i mean we can play clips of it of like the trial but i think just anybody with an objective viewpoint on what what is really happening i think would would con- conclude that and um and yeah i just think that is is pretty obvious and it's just i don't know it's just to me it's just been such a mindfuck to see because you're talking about a, like an innocent kid or just a kid's life in general and it's scary to me because it shows that so many people that are politically motivated don't care about the truth and they don't care about the consequences of them spreading lies and these are like i can understand to an extent i mean i wouldn't do it but i can understand to an extent if you're going to like make some shit up about trump or like lie about something innocuous even though i i think on principle it's wrong to lie but i i could understand it to a degree but right now like you're talking about it like this guy's facing life in prison right you're talking you're not talking about something minor and it's just scary to see how so many people especially especially in the mainstream media are just willing to lie or willing to go along with the narrative as long as it fits their narrative and they're willing to sacrifice an innocent kid's life as long as that narrative keeps going and but i think um, a lot of i think a lot of people lost sight of the jacob or the yeah yeah jacob like yeah sorry the the kyle rittenhouse trial but can you give some background as to why this was so politicized and um yeah so um so why the media all of this happened was because of jacob blake jacob blake last year if people remember this was a guy that um was shot in the back trying to get into his car and initially the video looked really bad I, i will fully admit um but as with all things in life you can't make snap judgments off of five second clips of videos that you see on instagram and um and yeah we later we found out that this guy actually was going for a knife and he had just got done raping a girl and he was uh he was this is jacob blake right yeah this is jacob blake and um and yeah this happened in in kenosha and this is relevant because he's He's sorry, but he's a black guy that was shot by a white cop. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. He's a black guy that was shot by by a white cop and this consequently led to a bunch of riots in Kenosha. And this kid Kyle Wright Rittenhouse in order to he lived like 
an hour away. He actually, it was like 40 minutes away. And this kid, he was this 17 year old kid. Obviously, I mean, he shouldn't have even been there in the first place, but he thought he was doing like good. He thought he was doing like the right thing. I'm going to go out and help these businesses that are being burned down by these rioters. And I'm going to try to protect the business. I'm going to try to protect the people that, that are being harmed by the, by these riots. And so, um, and so he goes and basically what happens is that a couple people try to attack him because they saw that he was like trying to defend some business or something. And if you see the video play out, I, I don't want to like break this down like play by play, but very clearly in the video, you see that two of the people, the first person is, is running after him and he's, he's like falling back and he had no other choice but to shoot. He was acting in self-defense. And, um, but ever since that happened initially, or no, ever since that happened in general, the media has played along in the story that this guy purposely murdered these two people. And at first you could have made that argument because, okay, we don't have the full story. We don't know what happened. Maybe this guy just was just out there murdering innocent people, you know, another mass shooter. That's how a lot of people try to play this out. But um, but more and more and more evidence started coming out. And, and now it's just, especially now with the trial and then all these videos that we have, it's just so clear that this kid is innocent. And not just from the videos, but I think you can also paint a picture as to like who, the, who a person is. And this kid, given his like life history and given who he was a day before all this happened or given who he was weeks before, right? He was like a, a volunteer. He was like generally a good kid. The idea that he would just go out and just start murdering innocent people is just like, doesn't, it doesn't add up. But ultimately, I think what's more, most important about all this is just, to me, it's just really a, like scary times. Like it really is scary times because I feel like, I don't, I don't think I would ever go out and do that, right? Take a gun out to try to like help you. Maybe, you know, I don't know. But the fact that they're willing to do that to a kid the mainstream media and the political class, like the main, the mainstream left for that part. It's just, I don't know. It's just so, uh, it just sets such a, like, it brings up like my tribal instincts in me. Like what, what the fuck? Like <laughs> this isn't a game anymore. You know, like politics is usually like, I sometimes would view it as like, Oh, it's like Trump versus Biden or left versus right. Like, you know, it's just stupid tribal culture wars sometimes you know but when you get down to it like these people are literally willing to sacrifice another kid's life in order to fit their story in order to keep going the narrative and that to me it's just like you're not dealing with like rational actors at this point you're dealing with people you're dealing with people that genuinely don't care if innocent people get harmed you know like they view oh. The thing about Rindhouse that's interesting is I don't know why the media latched onto him so hard and made him seem like he was some right-wing ultra-Trumper. Like, even if he was, like, regardless, like, he shouldn't. White they called him a white nationalist. Yeah, like a white nationalist militia. AKK member and, like, all this crazy shit. Like, there was no evidence for it. Like, yeah. Um, um, and the only thing that makes sense is that he was there to 
essentially as an anti-protester because if people don't remember this is where the memes came out with kenosha and they were like mostly peaceful protests and there was like cars on fire and stores being raided and people walking around with weapons and, and saluting stores and destroying property and, and this is where the meme comes out of like the mostly peaceful protest um that the media was portraying but i, I think for some reason i don't know why but the media latches on to rittenhouse as this white nationalist militia kid um not necessarily wasn't the case but it just seems like the media was was willing to excoriate this kid for just because he went as an anti-protester just because he wasn't in support of jacob blake and that's why uh, for me this, this is why these times are so scary because they're willing to sacrifice everybody and anybody if you're not for the narrative right if you're not for the narrative that jacob blake was shot you know because of of white system of systemic um you know white supremacy and because of this uh, endemic you know um white problem that we have within police forces that they they you know indiscriminately shoot black people now if you're not for that narrative anything that counters that narrative or if you're against that then then they'll just you know pillory you they'll, they'll just excoriate you and ostracize you and but they, this, they just won't it's not just that like i i can like tolerate i mean it's wrong but i can like you want to call me names you want to call me racist you want to call me white supremacist you want to call me bigot you want to call me whatever all right you want to pillory me you want to fucking um smear me you want to fucking make my life hard all right at the end of the day I don't think that's right, but whatever, okay? But the thing that I think, like, you're now crossing into, like, full-on quasi-Cold War territory is that these people are using the state to, like, imagine if, if Rittenhouse gets convicted, like, I, I don't even know, like, I would, <laughs> I don't even know how I would even react if, like, that ends up happening. Because, <laughs> because it's literally, like, it's war. Like, you're literally saying that I'm going, like, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore about due process. I don't care anymore about the system. I don't care anymore about, you know, like, basic rights. Like, you're basically declaring war and i know this this language sounds like really like incised and like really like tribal and and i try to be a non-tribal person by far like i try to always you know me i always try to give people the benefit of the doubt no matter what but but yeah like i said once you reach this territory where you're literally locking a kid up in prison for life I, I just think that that's that's just like there's, there's gonna be like there's gonna be blood like there's gonna be like there's I don't want it to get to that and I know it sounds crazy but people have to recognize that you're literally like talking about the most sacred values and the most sacred things that are being torn apart and these people are showing you that they don't give a fuck about due process they don't give a fuck about any of that like they just want to win and um and yeah 
I don't know. It's just like uh, it, it's the legal system has been messed up for a long time. There's I've been on a a kick of watching. I don't know if you've ever seen shows like the False Confessions, where they'll sit people down for like thirteen, fourteen hours, and then finally draw a confession. But um, these people just because they were in these police uh, interrogation rooms for like 13, 14 hours, they, they just yeah. said whatever to get out of there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, there's always going to be stories about undue or unjust legal systems because the legal system is not really, yeah, I mean, it's I'm not, fixing that. yeah, but I think what's unique about this is that it's now, now the media is involved and there, like you said, it's, there's so many elements to it because it goes, it's kind of like this woke narrative of the media being kind of Venn diagramming, kind of uh, sort of just kind of mixing in with, with the legal system. And that's, I think, what's scary. Like, there's no reason for this trial to be televised or have the national attention that it does, but there's it no does. There's reason for there even to be a trial. Like, uh, I mean... The kid shot somebody, so yeah, yeah. I'm just you you do like need it's just the, the the story of it is just I don't know. It's just so clear to me, but yeah. But I mean, he still killed somebody, so you do want to adjudicate yeah, I, that. I, but I, 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 yeah, obviously you want to adjudicate, like you want to get to, to the bottom of what happened. But I'm just I don't know. My my just bigger picture of everything is that is that I think we're really entering like really dark time, and I think that the idea of a, of a civil war has always been like so alien to me and like people even bringing that up. It's just like, I never even really understood how that would go down. Especially now when, when we live in like the most like prosperous society of all time. But, um, but shit like this, I can like fully see why that would radicalize like so many people because it's just like the nail in the coffin any sort of like meeting halfway with people like you show me that that you're willing to lock this kid up in jail for life and there's no like there's no talking to you you know and um i think we can but why would that be why would that be basis for a civil war or why would what would be the catalyst because because the because the cathedral quote unquote the the main political class in power and the mainstream media are i could be i i just i view it as as like that could have been me you know that i could have been kyle rittenhouse and it, it, i think it could lead to, to civil war because it's a lot of people are gonna like view the same thing you know or a, a lot of not as like mediated people as me are gonna view what happened and they're gonna like i don't know what they're gonna do but it's it's gonna like i don't know it's just like I think it can lead to civil war because it's just you're just breaking down any sort of the what what makes our society like go you know go by day by day is like this idea of like there's a common law and there's this like at least there's this idea of like you know if you do something there's going to be due process and there's going to be like you know going to be you're going to get arrested or if you are, there's going to be the whole process of, you know, we're going to take you to trial and you're innocent until proven guilty. But at this point, you you basically like, if you if that does happen with Rittenhouse, I feel like you've just basically shown me that like you're not a legit regime anymore. Like you are not 
you're like on the same level as as like freaking the Soviet Union because you're you're like locking people up in a gulag at this point and like you are not to be like you are my enemy and my tribal instincts come up again because I see that that could be me so that's why I think it could lead to civil war because you're no longer it's no longer becomes a, a political debate and no longer be, there's nothing to debate with people that are willing to lock you in a cage and are willing to sacrifice your life like there's just there's why even try you know i've already seen you can go that far so i'm i'm, I'm it's just like you are my enemy now you know like i i don't like to have enemies i don't even think myself as like a person with enemies i always try to preach preach like love your neighbor but you threaten my life or you threaten innocent people's lives and I don't know. I just think that that's like a line. Like it's like, it get, kind of gets also to my like non-pacifistic attitude towards like foreign policy and how, you know, tolerance of intolerance is um, cowardice. And, um, and yeah, you just, you, you are now, on, <coughs> you are now on, on the level of a dictatorship. You're on the level of an autocratic regime that has no care for due process, no care for the law, no care for basic human rights. And you become like my enemy and I want to destroy you. I don't know. And I could see this being a unique situation. I'm trying to think about other situations where there's a weird, kind of a, a badly timed, but a culmination of all of these different movements that we've been experiencing over the last year right we have a media that can no longer be trusted a media that's very narrative driven you also have the narrative of black lives matter you also have kind of this trump angle and you know there's also guns and firearms so it's kind of this culmination of everything and then also you know the police the black police shooting uh, topic that we've been dealing with for forever now but yeah it does seem like it's a unique kind of tipping point where we're the media is just so hard on on Rittenhouse and they just want to see him convicted because I mean you can I'm not exaggerating like you can read tweets or, or whatever the media is reporting and it's the same idea as I was saying about the the judge it's, this is okay because people are used to it this is the ultimate entitlement that again you can insert yourself into a situation with a gun that you're not supposed to be carrying, kill two people, injure, and it is you are made to be a hero by the public. You, you see someone jogging down the street, and you take it into your hands. You think it's your responsibility to stop that person when you're not even sure if they are committing a crime because, what, it is your street, it is your town, it is your country. It is the ultimate Degree of entitlement. Would people believe that this is how they're supposed to be? What the right is saying about Kyle Rittenhouse is that, well, the government didn't do its job, so it took a 17-year-old kid to come in and do what was right. That's vigilantism. That's not what people are not supposed to be vigilantes. We're not supposed to be taking um, justice into our own hands. Imagine if every single person in America did that. Imagine if you call for, um, for black men or just black folks to be armed and go out in the streets and... You know, do what they think, justice, take it back. Remember, and what they did to you and slavery, whatever, go and, and take things and do. Imagine if people were condoning that 
are just doing that. Will there be a different perception in this country about who should and who shouldn't carry guns? Would our gun laws be different? I certainly think so. So there is a double standard, but it is the ultimate degree of entitlement. This is what I'm supposed to do because this belongs to me, meaning this street, this town, and this country. And I think it's tough for people to hear that, but it is the absolute truth. I don't walk down the street saying, this is my, I pay taxes here and therefore I, no. If something, if I see someone breaking the law, I call the cops. That's what they're there for. This is, it's supposed to be about law and order. This isn't about law and order. This is about unlawful conduct and disorder. You would think that Kyle Rittenhouse was a mass murderer or something like that. Yeah, no, it's Um, insane, bro. There's a bunch of tweets, not just of like really mainstream, like political pundits on the left, but like again, of our trusted mainstream media that are literally lying about the case that are lying about what's happening. And again, they're trying to paint this picture that this kid just went out to murder people. Yeah. Look, here's a tweet from MSNBC. I mean, this is as mainstream as it gets tweet from MSNBC. One of the men fatally shot by Kyle Rittenhouse was in a horizontal position. Forensic pathologist told Wisconsin jurors suggesting the victim wasn't a threat when he was gunned down. I mean, if you read that in passing, you would think, wow, Rittenhouse is a murderer. Yeah. Um, AJ Plus, the first man Kyle Rittenhouse was killed, was horizontal to the ground, was shot, and was trying to swat away or grab the gun. Um, the, the second part, guy. Hold on, before you keep going, the craziest part about all this, like literally today, it was like a pretty popular uh, video that went viral of the trial of that same guy <laughs> who got shot by Rittenhouse, basically saying that. Uh, Rittenhouse shot him only after he reached for his gun. Like, it's literally like open, shut case, clearly self-defense. He even said it himself. And like, you can even see the lawyer, like, like fucking the, the prosecutor trying to prosecute a Rittenhouse, like fucking hide his face in shame because their whole fucking trial is just going up in shambles. And it's just, again, like you see, you see it everywhere. It's not just like, MSNBC, The Daily Beast, AJ Plus. Again, they're all trying to go to this narrative and it, they're so clearly lying to anybody that's really paying attention. And the sad part about it is that most people don't care about politics that much. Like most people just go about their daily lives. They're just like, they'll check the news every now and then and they just got like bigger shit or better shit to worry about. Like most people don't follow the news like we follow the news. And it's why the mainstream media has such a political stranglehold on so many people, because most people just form their political opinions by whatever they happen to see on the news or whatever they happen to see on their phone. And then they just go on about their lives. And, um, and yeah, it's just a really scary time because most of the mainstream media has just like formed together and they're acting as like a cohesion unit at this point. And they're so clearly politically motivated and they have such clear political motivations and intentions that you can't even like, I, I remember even like four years ago or three years ago, I would like, I would recognize that there was bias in the media, but I wasn't like the strict, like all, all mainstream media is all bullshit. Like, oh, it's all like conspiracy, bro. Like I wasn't even like that. But I think now it's just, again, if you're really paying attention, it's just, so much bullshit coming out of them and it's all in cohesion as well like you can like see 
how they're all acting in unison and it's like weird to say because again i'm not this like conspiracy minded guy like i think people mostly act as act as individuals but they all have come together and they all share a political ideology. And I'm, I'm mostly talking about the New York Times, MSNBC, CNN, um, Washington Post, most of the like prominent news outlets. And, um, and yeah, again, it's just scary because again, they have such control over the masses and they're so willing to lie to just to fit a narrative. And I think another a good point of reference for that is is what we're now learning about this whole Russia gate, and um, I don't know if you want to break down a little bit of what's what's been happening with that. Just yeah, no, I mean it's just it's that because one thing about the the institutions that you're saying, like CNN or New York Times, people rely not so much NBC, MSNBC, but. Um, but especially the New York Times or CNN, I mean, I mean, people, world leaders rely on the New York Times or CNN just as much as you know, any ordinary person to get their news. And if we don't have institutions that are going to, at the very, you know, try to objectively give you the news, I don't mind bias so much, but at least some semblance of objectivity, right? Like, I don't trust, Fox News has never had Fox News has always been, we always knew it was propaganda. And anybody that would send a Fox News article or a clip, you'd kind of. Yeah, Fox News is biased. But like, the thing about Fox News is like, you know, like once you, when you turn on Fox News, like, you know, you're getting the conservative Republican bent towards like the, the news, right? You, they don't even try to hide it at this point. All of their shows are mostly like just right wing conservatives. And like, that's what you know what you're getting. But the insidious part about most of like the other mainstream outlets is that, I mean, MSNBC at this point is pretty obvious about their bias too, but CNN still tries to portray themselves like as like these unbiased journalists who like are just reporters of the truth and, and the New York times as well, the Washington post, um, all these prominent outlets that try to be, or that portray themselves as, as like just the purveyors of the news. And um, and all of them at this point are such clear partisan acts. Like it's it's there's just no other way around it. Like this whole Russia Gate thing. I, me and you were somewhat like were people that were. I mean, I, I didn't think Trump was like a freaking mentoring candidate, and I didn't think like Putin Putin like had him like all oh, fuck like oh, Trump's giving him all the. But I, at the very least, like, I was like, okay, something is definitely up, especially the way Trump acted. And, and there, you know, there was a little bit of a smoke there, you know, it wasn't like this complete fucking, um, like, Donald Trump Jr. emailed, like, the Russian whatever. Like, there was something there. Yeah. But it wasn't what the media was making it out to be, you know? And now we're... I think if you stopped anybody on the street and you asked them about the Trump collusion, they would kind of tell you, well, like if you ask them, what do you think it's about? They would tell you Trump and Putin met together and they were trying to undermine Hillary Clinton and get more votes or like, you know, some grand conspiracy. And that was never it. And that it was just like a, a random meeting with yeah. um, Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and I think it was Paul Manafort at the time. Yeah, that was the worst of it. Yeah. But yeah, no, to, to continue on how 
and this could segue us into how biased the media has been was, was there was a recent, um, I think it was on Friday, November, Thursday, November 4th. Um, there was, uh, an indictment sent out by John Durham, who's a legal counsel, U S special counsel, um, that's been investigating the, the kind of the initial, the, the, what prompted the investigation into the Trump campaign? Like what, what was that about? Like, why did, why did we make such a big fuss about it? Um, and he's been investigating that, but John Durham issued a, an indictment and an arrest for a man, a Russian national named Igor Dechenko. Um, turns out this Dechenko guy was one of the main sources for the Steele dossier. And it turns out that he was, he lied countless times to the FBI. Um, and I mean, this man was the source for the Steele dossier. And as much as Democrats want to, <laughs> want to say that it wasn't the catalyst for the whole Russia gay and you know Robert Mueller like that's a lie that the steel dossier was the document that was you know it was the Rosetta Stone it was the thing that prompted the whole thing and I, I read there was like this fact check website and I read and they were like you can go on Wikipedia and you can click on you know what prompted the this whole story and they were like the steel dossier he uh, lied about the steel dossier um, but the steel dossier wasn't what prompted, you know, special investigators to look into the Trump campaign. And then you click on the link and it's literally, <laughs> it's literally, literally cites the steel dossier. And then it cites that the steel dossier was prompted, you know, the, the initial <laughs> investigation into Carter page, um, which was the, the Trump campaign worker whose life was ruined because of these wiretaps and investigations. But now you have Dushenko and now you have obvious, just an obvious liar. And, but the whole reason was, right, you have a liar who, who prompted this whole investigation, you know, and, and Russiagate and an entire special counsel spent three years looking into Trump and it was based on fat lies. Yeah. And for the last three or four years, you would have believed, most people, probably most Democrats believe that, Trump colluded or did something with Russia and we just never really got him. Yeah. But the, the whole media, I remember every day would click on the New York times and it was just Russia gate, this new thing. Yeah. Something it, would it was drop nothing. ask you about something that's in the news a lot right now. Um, you've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee, and you defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? Well, first of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted, mm -hmm. uh, and they are. Uh, and <clears throat> unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Mm -hmm. uh, so Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, if people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Um, but at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to investigate them. And let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving 
internal polling data, campaign polling data to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump and campaign. And to be clear, he was fired halfway through the campaign. Well, he may have been fired, yeah. but the, the effort to get Russian help continued and even beyond the effort to get Russian help. But you the may president have also spread Russian disinformation get... yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee Chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. Well, I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, it's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. Mm -hmm. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele, which is mm -hmm. impossible, of course, to do. But, but let's not use that as a smokescreen to somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an insurrection, insurrection, which he did. Um, none of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is in any way diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele. No, I think just your credibility is. Well. Every Friday, like, and then, like, I, I still remember, like, especially especially in 2017, like, we were, like, caught in, in it. Like, we were like, oh, wow, like, something's, like, really about to go down. Like, oh, shit, like, damn, they really got Trump this time. Like, oh, my God. And it was, like, every week that some new freaking bullshit story would drop. And, again, this isn't to say that Trump didn't freaking act super shady and he hasn't done a bunch of shady ass shit and he didn't have a bunch of shady ass people below him we're not we're not saying that we're just saying that the basic narrative of what the mainstream media was trying to portray of trump that he was this manchurian candidate who was like uh about to give putin all of the secrets of the u.s and it was it's like dire freaking moment in our history and nothing like this had ever happened. And every day you'd just see a new story. It was all made up. Like it was all bullshit. Okay. At the end of the day, Trump was not colluding with Russia. Trump was not colluding with Putin. And we now know this and we know that the Hillary camp campaign worked with the Russians to basically manufacture this story because she was being investigated as well. And she wanted to have some cloud hang over Trump as well. And this is all slowly coming out now. And again, to me, it just shows that like how brazen, not just Hillary and her campaign and the Democrats and the politicians are and how willing they are to bullshit and how they don't give a fuck. Like it's just a doggy dog world and they will lie and do whatever to get ahead but also the mainstream media like the fact that even now like they're just completely ignoring all these stories right now that are coming out about russia gate about where the steel dossier came out of and they just like just they're just you know walking along oh nothing happened oh let's just ignore these stories just keep walking like the, for the freaking past, especially throughout all of Trump's presidency, this didn't hang over his head. No wonder he was going insane because he's like, dude, these motherfuckers are trying to freaking put this shit on me. And again, Trump is like the worst uh, defense. Like he acts guilty in everything he does. So I understand why people thought he was guilty, but he was just genuinely like angry that these people were trying to put all this bullshit on him 
like the P tape. I remember when all that P tape shit came out in uh right after 20 or in, it was in January in 2017 and I remember like seeing that and I was like no way somebody did Trump peed on a hawker in Russia like in my head I, I didn't I didn't like fully believe it but the fact that like it just again it just shows the power to me of the media and how easy it is for them to influence people because yeah, people, Joseph Goebbels had that figured out huh yeah, exactly. Joseph Goebbels had that figured out. How easily you can propagandize and just feed bullshit towards people and they just gobble it up. And it's just, it's just sad because now, like, I don't know what to believe. And I mean, I, I think it's a good premise just in life to not have any, like, really sincere beliefs. I think you just... It's just better to just go about and allow yourself to be surprised and allow yourself to be like, oh, wow, like I didn't know that. Or maybe I was wrong about that. You know, it's just it's a better operating system than to have like just concrete beliefs all the time, because if you have concrete beliefs all the time, you're never going to learn. And you're always just going to assume that you have everything figured out. But but it's just it's just it's just sad. It's just it's sad and it's scary because, again, it's just. <laughs> yeah and this was especially the new york times like or sorry no i was just gonna say it's just it's such a trip because i actually just read a tweet and i think it just encap- encapsulates a, a lot of like what we've been going through and like how we were both like we voted for hillary like we thought hillary was like clearly the better candidate never in our lives would we ever like think of voting for trump but um, I actually just read this tweet right before uh, came on, and it says, "Fellow libs, does anybody remember how we felt five years ago tonight? Remember how we thought Trump was gonna usher in authoritarianism? Imagine if we knew that damn governors would end up doing everything that we feared from the Trump administration." <laughs> and it's just it's sad, but it's true, especially now with COVID. Like that's a whole nother thing, but it's just. Trump never became like this dictator that so many people made it made him out to be like, yes, he was a bore. Yes. His personality and his actions were indefensible. And I agree with all that, but, um, yeah, no, it's just a couple points. Like the New York times for the last four years, you know, I think, I think when Trump was elected, they kind of took a look in the mirror and were like, man, maybe we haven't, maybe we haven't had the commitment to the truth that we should have. And you could kind of see a little bit of a mentality shift. Um, and they did for a while there for a couple of years come out with really what I would think would be objective journalism, but they, then they started doubling down and doubling down on this narrative and they just moved away and they were the supposed fact checkers. They were the supposed people that everybody would go to. And they would even have like a running count of how many lies Trump has told to this date, you know, and they made themselves like the the self-proclaimed fact checkers. And it's just, it becomes so hypocritical when now you start to point that out about the New York times, you know, well, here are the supposed fact checkers and the arbiters of truth. How are you not redacting? How are you not putting out an amendment or an addendum and saying, Hey, you know, that big Russia story that we covered for three years actually turns out that, you know, these things happened and that should be front page news. You shouldn't have to, you know, scroll through 
weird sections in the New York times to find it. Right. And it's, it's sad that the New York times has moved so far away from this. Um, and then, yeah, on, on another point about Trump's authoritarianism, Trump, so many people were convinced that because Trump spoke a certain way, because he kind of, he was friendly towards Putin. He was friendly towards Kim Jong-un. Um, everybody said, you know, he was a dictator's best friend and he would love to be a dictator himself, but that never happened. That that never accumulated. And in six months that we've had Biden in office, he's been more authoritarian than I think we've had any other president be, right? He he's he's enforced vaccine mandates, uh, which has forced people to choose between their job and their health. And regardless of what you think of vaccines, that's a reality. We've had democratic governors that have you know, repeatedly shut down states are still enforcing ridiculous rules about COVID, you know, keeping kids in masks and forcing them to get vaccinated. And, you know, even though we have all this VAERS data about potential heart disease that could come from this, you know, myocarditis, um, Trump never became that authoritarian that so many people were worried about. And unfortunately, Biden is headed that way. This um authoritarianism right now is just like so prescient like it's crazy there's this uh really good uh <laughs> i never thought in my life i would be quote quoting uh glenn greenwald for a for a tweet thread um given his history but i think recently he's been like on fire um but yeah this is just really breaks it down it says uh, good morning i like to make three points the vast majority of disinformation, propaganda, and lies that flooded the country over the last five years did not come from MAGA boomers on Facebook or 4chan teenagers, but the largest and most influential liberal corporate media outlets. These are not cases where media outlets erred. They deliberately lied. The way to know that is that they, refu they refused to acknowledge evidence proving they lied. Remember, they just ignored Shrent. Uh, reports book pro proving the Biden emails were real. By far the best and most accurate reporting on all the matters relating to Russiagate came not from the liberal corporate outlets that want to censor the internet in the name of disinformation or which shower themselves with Pulitzers for lies, but the right wing press. And um, and yeah, it just goes on the whole tweet thread. We we can link to it in the, the description, but it just just breaks down how like so many people bullshitted so many but james comey um what's that yeah no i Reddit. just a quick point i was trying to fact check it but didn't the new york times get a pulitzer prize for their coverage of russia and the collusion like yeah they just <laughs> give themselves like they're just like oh here's a they're all freaking buddies like the elites like it's yeah. we are led at this point by like governed by bureaucratic self-righteous elites who view themselves as like the saviors of the world and they think they could control our lives and they think they can like tell us what to do fauci is part of that too and and again like i never thought i'd see myself as like this like quote unquote right-wing guy who like supports conservatism whatever that word means like again dude me and you we grew up watching John Stewart. We voted for Obama. <laughs> we voted for Hillary. I don't know how many times we have to say that, but... It's an interesting quote. I think, 
I don't know if it was Naval, but I saw it somewhere. But anyway, there was it said something along the lines of like, when we need, when progress is not headed in the re- direction that we need, we need conservatism. And then when society is not moving in the direction that we would want it to, we, you know, we need progressivism. We need to move away from conservatism. And I think, you know, in the in the era that we grew up, call it, you know, the two thousands, you know, early. 2010s um that was an era like think back to that era we we still gay marriage was still not allowed um we still lived in an era of marijuana being the most banned drug and a schedule one drug um and a lot of our social norms were very conservative i remember growing up listening to eminem and he was on trial for the words that he said right he was put on trial for literally inciting violence through his through his words, right? Like it's just, that was the era that, that was like 10 years of ultra conservatism where we needed to move away from, you know, yeah, it's a pendulum. Yeah, exactly. We needed to move away from people being grossed out or, or violence towards, you know, gay people or lesbian people. We needed to allow equal rights for gay and lesbian people. Um, we needed a social shift in what we thought about for drug use. Um, especially marijuana use. But now we've gotten to a point where progressivism doesn't make any sense. They're trying to move us in a direction that would get us nowhere. Like you, you think about Black Lives Matter, we've, we've you know, talked that topic to death, but that is obviously a, it, the whole movement is built on a false premise. So that movement doesn't make sense. And then let's there's... Let's tackle that real quick because I know a lot of people, uh, if they listen, like, oh my God, what? Like, I think we, me and you would agree that police reform is needed and that we need to fix the drug laws and we need to end the drug war and we need to end bad policing and we need to fix uh, corrupt cops and by any means, you know, by any way necessary, right? That's a real problem that does affect a a lot of minorities. I think your point is more that the false premise is built upon the fact that cops are just out there murdering black people like it's open season right there's just no evidence for that and statistically speaking it's just flat out not happening and i think that's that's just your basic point but i just exactly but according to the media and this is again brings us back to kyle rittenhouse you would think that this was you know the most pressing topic the thing like a moral panic that we all needed to get right or else you know we're just going to see dead bodies from, you know, thanks to cops. Like that, this is why these movements don't make sense. And why a lot of this progressivism is just social activism for social activism's sake. Like that's just like, so, so like ideological, ideologically like motivated so clearly. And it doesn't like, they're asking you to believe things that don't make any sense and that are not statistically backed up by ending data. And it's just they want you to believe that men can be women and that women can be men and that you can just magically make yourself into a woman if you believe it. And again, I'm not against transgender people. I think if you want to do whatever you want with your body, go freaking turn into a deer. I don't care. But I'm, I'm not like if you're asking me to participate in like something that I know to be a factual 
error. Like, I'm not going to play. <laughs> like, I will call you she or I will call you he. Like, or if you want me to call you whatever name you want, I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to call you a dude to your face. Like, I'm not going to be a dick. But I just feel like, especially the transgender movement, it's just like come out of nowhere. And now they're just asking all of society to participate in their, like, I don't want to uh, generalize for all the transgender movement because, like, there's this guy I follow whose name is a bug angel i think and he's like uh he used to be a girl and he's now a man but he's like the nicest guy and he like fully says like hey like yeah when i was born i was a man but like i really felt like a woman i mean i i was a i was a woman but when i was like growing up i just felt like i was a man like i couldn't like literally everything about me felt like a man and like i just had to you know follow who i felt like I was but he fully acknowledges that when he was born he was a man and quote unquote he still has those chromosomes of men in his body but I mean uh, women in his body (laughs) I get mixed up but he's not asking society he's not asking a random stranger to say you have to participate in my I, again, if I'm around this guy, like I'm going to call him he and I'm going to be super respectful and I'm going to call him whatever he wants. And I will treat him like a fellow human being. I'll be the nicest person and I will treat him as well as I treat any other human being. But um, but yeah, it's just so insidious how like this movement, I think it's again, I don't think it's the majority of the transgender people, but I think it's like a really vocal minority that have just taken hold of this, 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 like, they just want us to do away with biology. They want us to do away with any sort of common, uh, just set of truth, like basic truth. And it, it's again, like, the- yeah, and that, the whole, I mean, that's emblematic of the whole, for lack of a better term, more woke movement, right? And it's just, they want you to avoid inconvenient truths. Yeah. Um, like we talked about with, police shootings that there's no statistical evidence to back it up and if you don't if you don't you know comply they will as now we've seen you know written house they will take you to jail they will you know drag your name through the mud um there's no to them it's comply or you're going to be ruined you're going to be ruined financially or we'll send you to jail again like that that was the situation like five years ago you don't you don't like come along with our side and we're going to freaking make your life a living hell. And how are we going to do that? We're going to call you names. We're going to threaten your job. People are going to get fired and people have gotten fired, right? People have gotten called names. People's lives have been ruined just because they don't fit, fit the narrative or just because they happen to disagree with shit. You know, that, that, that has happened and that it's been their, their weapon. You know, they've, they're, they've weaponized that and to get people to, to agree with their side. But the, the, the key difference now is that they're locking people up in jail. Like, that's, you are literally sacrificing another human's life. And to me, like I said, like, once you show me that, like, there's no, like, this is just, we're now reaching a whole new level of, of, tribal warfare because it has it now does become warfare because again i view kyle rittenhouse as like that maybe could have been me 
you know, maybe if like I just went out, if I saw my community being burned down and I wanted to help and I just happened like to, to have a gun on me for protection and I got attacked and like just, you know, string of bad luck happened, that could have been me. And look how they like just smeared this poor kid. And th <laughs> there's this really good, good tweet that I just read. It says, becomes very clear that the people who want to see Rittenhouse Fry do not care what happened that night. Just like they didn't care what happened in the Covington Catholic incident, they want to see people they hate suffer, period. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's like as, as well as, as I can say. The Covington Catholic thing is a whole nother thing. That, that, I think that was when that happened in, was it 2017 or 2018? I think that was yeah. one of the, like, the major things that I started seeing, like, holy fuck, like, we're not, we're like, these people just don't care about the truth. Like, they don't care about getting up. They just want to just drive a narrative. It's all about driving that narrative. And yeah, and, and now, now the problem is, like you said before, their MO was just to make you a pariah and you were unemployable or you had such a stink around your name. You know, I'm thinking of people like Charles Murray that, you know, people wouldn't touch you with a 10 foot pole, but now, now they're incorporating elements of the law. So where I can, where I can kind of see this going now is if, for example, with the transgender debate, if you dead name somebody, if you don't call them by the correct gender, I can see very quickly how they would make something like that against the law but it had happened in canada and it's not that yeah, far-fetched that's happening in canada dude it, that's literally happening in the uk right now like in, in the uk they're arresting people for sending quote-unquote racist messages on instagram now i'm not obviously i'm not freaking defending sending racist messages to anybody or calling anybody any racist names but people have a right to be it's people have a right to be racist people have a right to be assholes okay you can't legislate speech it's just but, one of the and then people don't understand this about the united states is unique in it's in the way that it protects freedom of speech we don't there's no other country in the world that has the freedom of speech laws that we have I mean, in Canada, it's a crime to deny the Holocaust. In most European countries, it's a crime to deny the Holocaust. You can't even say that the Holocaust wasn't real or question it because it's a, it's a literal crime. And for people here to think, well, that would never happen here, right? They'll, they'll never send you to jail for something like a, a transgender name or something like that. It's already happening in, for example, with COVID, another woke topic. They will, there, there was legislation passed in san diego that made they, they had like a special committee where they would investigate or look into misinformation being spread like if you spread misinformation you were <laughs> verging on committing a crime and today i think today the ceo of pfizer came out and said yeah. that any misinformation about the covid vaccine yeah, should be a crime, crime. Yeah. exactly so what what is next if they're already willing to if they're willing to send somebody to jail, right, ruin their lives, a 17-year-old kid, because he wasn't for the Kenosha protests and the Jacob Blake protests, like, where does this end, right? And there's so many topics that that woke progressive people are, are wrong about, right? Like, you think things like climate change. You think things like Black Lives Matter. So climate change, I think, is going to be the, the most easily 
climate criminalized topic. Climate change is going to turn into COVID. Like climate change. Yeah, exactly. We've already seen it. Like they're just going to weaponize it and they're going to use this as like, oh, the world is ending and we need to like give us more power. Yeah. And that one I see as the most easy to criminalize certain actions. Like they're going to, you know, if you, if you, they're going to tax the crap out of you if you drive a gas car. Um, And it's already, I think, they're already banning gasoline mowers from 2024 in California, like stupid laws. Those that has no reason to be a law, but and I can already hear people like saying, like, "Oh, are you guys saying you don't believe in climate change? You science scenarios like, or are you saying you don't believe in COVID?" Like, nobody has ever said that COVID isn't real. Nobody has ever said that climate change has been real. But we're not like these like right wing, super right wing, like uh, oh, bullshit, like. Clearly, yeah, I'm not Marjorie Taylor is, Green yeah, or whatever. <laughs> clearly, climate change is this happening, and yes, it is man-made, and yes, it is CO2 carbon emissions that are causing a greenhouse effect on the planet. The key distinction that so many people fail to recognize in this whole COVID freaking saga that we've been living to living through the last few years, and now that's gonna happen. The same thing with climate change is that. The key thing is public policy, okay? Public policy is what we're disagreeing, what to do about it, okay? We can recognize that COVID is real and it's killed a lot of people. The thing that we're disagreeing with is that your actions are causing more harm in the long run than they are doing good. That's been- Exactly. Look, here's a- Lockdowns. And it's going to be my problem with climate change because so many of the policies that progressives try to bring up to fight climate change, one, aren't going to do a damn fucking shit, especially when you compare the amount of CO2s emissions that China and India are emitting right now and the fact that the U.S. is now going down dramatically. And the main reason why is because we're fracking now. That's a whole nother story, but it's just... People are just going to accuse you now of being anti-science because you disagree with their public policy decisions. And it's just a scary future because these people think they have science on their back. And it's just, we're up against like so much at this point because you're not only talking about the freaking government, right? The Biden administration, but you're talking about the whole tech monopoly, Facebook, Instagram, and they can just shut you down if they don't know if they don't like what you're saying what you're saying. And it's happened. It's happened with a lot of people that I follow on Twitter. And they've talked about how they've been banned or they've banned their videos just because they don't agree with their climate change and they call them climate deniers. When in reality they're just saying, like, hey, the climate is warming, but a lot of these solutions that you guys are bringing up are not gonna do anything and they're just causing more harm in the short run. And um Here's look. Here's a great example of of how these public policies are detrimental. And and I'm reading this great book by Michael Schellenberger, and he's talking about um, how climate policies are short sighted. So in the Congo, you have a decline of of population of gorillas, lowland gorillas, um, and they open this park, Virunga National Park, and to protect the gorillas. But one of the reasons why gorilla populations are are being decimated and, and decreasing is that it's not 
because of oil use, right? If you think about progressive and woke policies, they would want you to never drill for oil again, and they would just want you to use renewable resources. But one in these in these countries like the Congo, it's very difficult to get these renewable energy sources. So oil is a very you know, safe, clean, and, and effective way to get energy. But because they've prevented the use of oil in these countries and in these national parks, people are are decimating the gorilla population because their main source of fuel is wood. So now you have loggers and foresters destroying <laughs> destroying you know habitats because you're preventing the use of oil. And then now you're complaining that you know, you turn on David Attenborough and you see him complain about the decimation of, of gorilla populations. Well, this is what I mean by trade-offs. This is what we mean by trade-offs. Okay, you either allow oil, which is safe and effective and clean to use. We can lower emissions and provide the people of the Congo you know, a very safe and you know effective fuel. Or you can let them keep cutting down trees and you can keep letting them decimate the environment of the gorilla. So. And if you ask progressives, hey, would you want people in the Congo to use oil? They would say, no, we have to stop emissions at all costs. Yeah. And it's just, I, it just gets to a broader picture of like why in my life, like I've grown more, more conservative. Like at the end of the day, what we're worried, what I'm worried about is unintended consequences. And I don't view the world in this like black and white, easy answers. Oh, if we just do this, then it's just going to save everything and if we don't do that then it's going to destroy everything life is so freaking complicated in anything you do and especially in public policy there's always trade-offs in everything and there's never going to be a perfect answer and you just see that play out in so many different things but climate change is, is one of the like most clear ones and as far as COVID as well like you just see the amount of fucking impact terrible impact lockdowns have had on so many people over a hundred million people have gone into extreme poverty because of the lockdowns in like the, the whole the last uh, year and a half and that's just a blip of the harms that the lockdowns have caused and um and again this our aim to like so single focus to end covid has led to so much damage so much psychological damage in our children who are nowhere close to any kind of risk of covid and in climate change as well it's just there's always going to be trade-offs and it's just so laughable honestly laughable like beyond laughable once you actually start seeing what these politicians are up to and what they're actually even trying to propose like the uh, climate conference that just happened a couple weeks or like a week ago all these freaking heads of of states like flying first of all flying like one of the biggest emissions the way to emit co2 is by flying and no we can't do a zoom conference we're all just gonna go and you know stare at each other and act like we're doing something about this but (laughs) when i first started realizing how like much of a laughable issue climate change was i think was when the whole paris summit thing happened and the paris accord and I actually started like, like, because I was for it initially. Like, yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't we want to lower our CO2 emission? Like, yeah, every, every country should do that. But <laughs> once I started, like, actually, like, because this is like in life, I've just learned this. Like, never believe your first thing. Like, the first thing you read in, every, in anything, 
never believe like there's always something more especially if it sounds too good too too good to be true or if it fits like your preconceived narrative of the world you always got to keep digging because more than likely it's not as rosy as you make it out to be but anyways when i started reading about the fucking paris climate accord dude not only not only do all the countries in the paris climate accord they didn't sign anything they just verbally agreed to 20 years from now we're gonna lower our co2 emissions by like like 10 or like some measly number okay it was a verbal and it's been like five years now none of them have lived up to the to their word none of them and um Barack Obama was at, or Biden was actually talking about that. Like, oh, like we nobody's lived up. Anyways, even if they would have all lived up to their 20-year goal, and it's been like five or six, I don't know how many years it's been, but none of them have. But even if they all lived up to that goal, the amount of impact it would have on global temperatures, like 60, 70, 80 years from now, is like 0.0. Like some measly fucking number, okay? We just have to come to terms to the come with uh, terms to the fact that the planet's gonna get hotter, okay? We're gonna keep using oil for now because it's our, the most fuel efficient, the most reliable way, and the quickest way to get from point A to point B. And um, there's a ton of developing countries right now that aren't gonna say like, why would we sacrifice our own well-being for this like? ethereal goal from 50 years from now and um and yeah we just have to come to terms with the fact and it's not hopeless right it's not hopeless like there is solutions and human technology human innovation i think is the best way like if we invest in technologies to get co2 out of the environment out of the out of the air we come up with technologies like human innovation can lead us to a better society Exactly. And it always has. And this, this is going to be no different. Human innovation will take any, any policy that asks you intrinsically to give up something beneficial to you or something that incentivizes you, right? Any policy that asks you to drive less or, you know, conserve something like conserve water is a bad policy. It's, it's doomed yeah. to fail. You need to innovate your way out of it so that you not only incentivize people to yeah. you know behave in a certain way, right? Look at Tesla. This is a great innovation. Tesla is not asking you to drive less. Tesla is yeah. not asking you to only drive between eight and 10. They're saying you can drive as much as you want, and we're going to make it a better experience for you to drive and drive a clean energy car. Right. And this happens all the time. Right. We, we innovate true innovation and true engineering marvels are, are instruments or, or, or inventions that, you know, incentivize a new behavior and, and, you know, incentivize, you know, things like travel, right. We, we invented a car when we didn't want to stop traveling. We wanted to keep traveling, but we invented things like the car and, That'll continue to be true. And we do have technologies like carbon capture technology that that don't ask people to stop doing something that's beneficial to them. None of us are going to be able to stop driving. None of us want to, you know, heat our homes with candles and just sit there and be like, I'm saving the planet. Like, no, like 
you you need yeah, it's to just find the most like hypocritical ironic thing like the leonardo dicaprio who like portrays himself as like this like a uh, super pro environment bro this fool drives or freaking flies a private jet like every other day of his life and private jets are like one of the biggest co2 uh or planes in general and it, it again it just gets to this like who want there's this meme that um it's like a politician's like saying who wants to change or like who you know who wants to change or who wants to change the political system and everybody's like yeah and then he asked who wants to like actually change who wants to actually personally be the change and nobody raises their hand and it's just like encapsulates how like yeah people can talk about the changing the environment or like cleaning the environment and like saving the world but at the end of the day they're gonna get in their car they're gonna admit CO2 emissions to freaking the gas station to their work back and forth. They're not going to freaking take a bite. They're not going to sacrifice their own because, again, that's just how humans operate. So we have to come up with better solutions. And this, again, relates so much to COVID as well. Like this idea that you were going to keep people locked down for months and months on end. Like it just was so, especially when COVID had been so problem had spread around so much because china lied like i I feel like it would have made sense if like china would have told us initially like oh shit like this thing is out there and like we would have known like in the first couple weeks like okay yeah everybody stay inside don't do anything but the moment you realize like it was months and it had been so widely spread at that point when the lockdown started and again we were pro lockdown like initially we were pro lockdown we realized that this was just not at all efficient and not at all. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to go back and forth, but I think it's just like those two issues just encapsulate like how progressive thinking can just go so wrong. And um, there's like really good books right now, just documenting how like really good intentions just like lead like that Michael Schellenberger, he he has that book on climate change and he has that new book called San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco. And it just shows how like the homelessness problem has just become so fucking bad in San Francisco. But it, it's directly caused by the policies in these cities. And who happens to be running these cities? It's the most progressive people in, on planet Earth. And it is no surprise that <laughs> these cities have become complete fucking hellholes. And um, and yeah, I was, fucking, yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. Like people say it's kind of like a defense. Oh, I have good intentions, and therefore that somehow is a qualifier for your policy. Like I, I don't think that having good intentions is is enough anymore. Like you, no. you can't just hide behind that. I have good intentions or I'm just trying to make, you know, I'm just trying to think for them or their benefit like that. That can't be enough because as we've seen, there's, there's so many detriments to well-intentioned policies, right? Like, yes, everybody can defend lockdowns. Yes. Everybody can defend decriminalizing drugs and everybody can defend being nice to homeless people. But when you actually look at the policies and you look at the outcomes, the outcomes are worse than the actual problem. Right. So in, in, in these cities like San Francisco, LA, exactly. And everybody, you know, excoriated Trump for, for saying that, but it's true. Like what's worse, even here in San Diego, like my neighborhood is getting inundated with homeless people and, and it's not even as bad as San Francisco, but 
you know, San Francisco, I've seen articles come out where, you know, million dollar high rises are now okay with homeless people just camping out on ground floors and living with that crime. And it's just become, when you see what these well-intentioned policies actually become, you can't keep using that excuse and say that I'm well-intentioned, right? It's the same with COVID. Like if we just get everybody vaccinated or if we just lock down harder, right? It's for, it's for the public good. No, because exactly. No, because we've seen the detrimental effects. Like, well, the biggest one was obviously the economy, right? The economy tanked and we're still feeling the repercussions of that. Yeah, And people act like the economy is like, Oh, it's just like this. Like, Oh, the economy can be, it's like, dude, you're talking about people's like lives. Like the, the, thing that they've worked for their entire lives their health care their homes they're just their well-being clearly if they're they don't have any money and their whole business shuts down and they lost everything they've ever worked for you don't think that's a health freaking risk or that's not a health outcome as well and um and yeah it just gets uh to like we've been reading i've been reading like more paul bloom and like how the problem of empathy i think is like what we're getting at is like how you can view yourself as like this really empathetic person and like you think that you're saving people from covid and like oh look at me i'm like this but the problem with empathy and like really prominent people and really smart people have written about i really recommend that uh, paul bloom book against empathy but it just shows how like you can just like you can it's like you're walking along the street and you see like this kid who like clearly needs help and like obviously you want to help him and like yeah maybe you will help him but you don't necessarily see the other hundreds of thousands of kids that go days and days without food. And I think that like moving forward in life, like you need to be able to like separate, like you need to be able to as as kind of fucked up as it sounds like you need to be able to detach yourself from the empathetic sentiments because it can cloud your judgment. We need a, uh, we need a public policy that, that views like the total, like the total harm reduction, like the, the bigger picture, a statistical model of reality that takes into account every single human being. Because you might think that your policy is like helping this one person, but it, in return, it might be hurting another hundred people. And those hundred people matter, right? Those people matter as well. Just as like that one person that you might think you're saving from COVID, but in reality, you're also messing with these hundred people's lives. And um, yeah, that's how public policy has to function. It has to fun- function for the total of society and every single person counts, right? We and everything that we have, and this is again why we started the podcast with these this woke tilt that we see everywhere in the media, in tech, in universities. We need We need these institutions to be objective in the way that you just said. We need them to consider public policy and not be so agenda driven. And this is why I keep, and we keep, you know, beating on a dead horse, even though it sounds like, well, how, how many times can these people talk about these, this topic, but it's true. Like if you have institutions that are only motivated by their agenda, right there, that the woke policies, and you don't have institutions that are interested in weighing all options, then then this is what you get. You get things like what you just said about COVID. And it's that's why it's so important to really hold these institutions accountable. You can't have institutions like Princeton and Stanford and Harvard, right? 
what we consider our, our, our highest institutions of learning be you know bastions for woke progressive politics and you can't have the new york times only publish propaganda and forget about it literally is prop- everything else yeah it, it is propaganda and it, again it's like these things i don't think people like I, for whoever's listening like i really want to try to like crystallize like how bad it has become like COVID being like the most prime example in my head right now for the almost two years now we've literally locked like there's videos of moms locking their kids in their homes for the past year and a half not being able to go outside stuck with the mask all day and this is happening so many different places, especially in schools as well, where kids, not only do they have to wear a mask all day, but they can't socialize. Like we are fucking an entire generation's future. And I don't, it's just like people don't know like how, like I, I've like studied a lot of psychology and I've studied a lot of like childhood development, like child play is so integral for a child's development like for him to be able to go and like interact with other kids and play with them like that's so important like it's absolutely necessary for the kids development because it's how they learn it's how they learn to interact it's how they learn to socialize it's how they learn to take cues from other beings and other humans and um and yeah we're robbing an entire generation of that of that um of that capacity and again it all boils down from this empathetic outlook of life that oh i'm saving the world from covid when in reality children are not at all at risk from this disease it's like <laughs> it's like we're literally living through like a mass psychosis especially when it comes to covid and, and children because there's still so many people out there that think that kids are at risk and i can cite statistics all day long about how kids are at like a minuscule infinitesimally small chance of them dying from covid but at the end of the day i'll let the people look that up themselves but if you're still under the impression that kids are all at at all at risk from this disease then, then you're just so far gone and so far into the propaganda that nothing will probably save you but but yeah i think that the kids thing is just one of the biggest things because it's just we're not going to see the effects of that till like years to come and it's going to be bad dude it's going to be bad because so many kids are not going to be like fully mentally developed and like i don't know i fear i fear for the next generation honestly and and like it's sad (laughs) it's sad and and um i don't know i don't know what to say honestly it's just yeah, it's just it's more it's more you know sacrificial lambs to the woke gods, unfortunately, and it's just it's more people being sacrificed, more people not understanding that there are trade offs and yeah, and, exactly yeah, that's what it comes down to trade off. Like once you view the world in like a non black and white and just simply like no solutions, only trade offs, and it just like it's just like opens up a panacea of oh fuck i don't i can't view the world in this like black and white picture anymore. like i have to see the world in this like 50 shades of gray and it's harder you know a lot harder that's i see why people flock to their black and white thinking 
or black and white views of reality, it's easy. It's just like the answer. Oh, that person's bad. That policy's good. You're especially right. if it makes you feel good. And yeah. especially like yeah. Black Lives Matter, who's not going to be for black people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, sounds so good. That's another yeah. thing. Like so many of the progressive policies or positions, like in on paper, they sound good. Like obviously Black Lives Matter. Like, yeah. Yeah, all for helping black people. Like, why would who would be against that? You know, or like climate change, save the climate, or tax the rich, like, or fucking, you know, um, uh, healthcare is a right. You know, healthcare is a human right. Like, so many of the progressive, like, it just that's why I feel like we're living also through this moment because so many of the progressive positions, like, they kind of get at like your heart because you're like wait, why would I want to be against that? I don't want to stand against the person that, or I don't want to be the person that's against healthcare, <laughs> you know? Like, obviously, like, well, sure. Like, why wouldn't I want to give everybody healthcare? Or why wouldn't I want to, uh, you know, help black lives? You know, why wouldn't I want them to matter? But like healthcare is a whole nother thing that we can get into, like if we want to. But I think just like to crystallize it to people, this idea that like, you can give free healthcare to every person in America and not have a tremendous amount of unintended consequences that come with that and a bunch of underlying costs. You still have to pay people, right? You still, you can't put a gun to This is what like, I think people fundamentally like misunderstand about healthcare, especially like the way I like, I like to view about like have my political outlook on life is like, I try to view the world as if like there was nothing else like let's say we all lived in a jungle and like just our more most primitive states how would that society function or how would we function and the idea of like healthcare being a right <laughs> in like your most primitive times is just so alien like obviously no like your healthcare is your own responsibility especially in your more primitive days like you have to take care of yourself and you're the only one that's able and capable of taking yourself. But when you start like now, you like fast forward into the society that we're in now, and you try to say that healthcare is a right. What you're basically saying is that you have a right to other people's services. Like a doctor doesn't have to come and treat you. Like a doctor can, hopefully doctors come treat you, you know, hopefully doctors come help and doctors are one of the most important uh careers that we have in in all of the world like doctors are heroes but you're basically saying like doctor i'm gonna hold a gun to your head and i'm gonna force you to treat this person because healthcare is a right and you have to provide this service to this person and um and yeah i, I it's just i don't you know you don't have a right to somebody's labor yeah, you don't exactly. have a right to you don't have a right to somebody someone else's labor and that's basically what it comes down to like and um and yeah it's just like i before i was like more like open to to medicare for all but like now like especially now with all this covid stuff coming out and like how we're seeing that like over 80 percent of the people in hospital or hospitalized or people that died from covid had pre-existing conditions or they were no they were overweight they were unhealthy and they were obese and they were overweight to me that just encapsulates the fact that most of the healthcare costs coming out of the healthcare system in the U.S. are from people that don't take care of their body, don't exercise, don't eat proper, don't have a proper nutrition, and they just eat junk food all day. Why would I 
have to subsidize or why would I have to like pay extra for my earned money for another human being's irresponsible act? And that's where I think like that whole Medicare for all argument kind of falls apart because not everybody takes the same health care or health decisions. Not everybody makes the same health decisions. So if you're healthy, if you're fit, if you work out, you take care of your body, why do you have to pay a bigger burden to society for another would, person? That would also negate the COVID vaccine argument because I've seen a lot of people make that argument that why should we bear the brunt of the cost, the medical cost, if you decide not to get vaccinated? Well, it's the same thing here. Like if, if we if we didn't have universal health care, you couldn't make that argument. You couldn't make the argument for a vaccine mandate because the only person that's you know, bearing the brunt of that cost or paying that is yourself, right? It's not like some public good that, you know, if, if healthcare was a right and we were all subsidizing it, then yeah, you could make an argument to say we need to vaccinate everybody because we are all paying for people's decision not to get vaccinated. But if we didn't, if we didn't subsidize healthcare, you can, that argument dissipates, right? You can't, you can't make that argument. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. Huh? Oh, I was just saying, like, we touched on a lot of progressive politics, <laughs> but <laughs> ended up being a decimation of progressive yeah. politics. But no, I, I think ultimately, I think the, the kind of the ethos of this podcast, the, this recording is a lot of what a lot of our institutions have been hijacked by woke politics and progressive politics. And what we've seen from progressives have been easy one sentence slogans and propaganda that play on your empathy, right? They want you to feel good about their, their, you know, politics. Um, And as we've seen, when you really start digging deep, there's a lot of consequences to these policies, right? There's bad trade-offs and you can't just, it can't just be enough to say, well, I'm well-intentioned and therefore my policy you know, stands up to scrutiny or you're a bad person because you don't follow my well-intentioned policy, right? No, we need, we need our institutions to be more scrupulous, to be more objective and really understand trade-off versus just, you know, making you a pariah or calling you a racist, or as we've seen with Rittenhouse, sending you to jail because you don't agree with these policies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, again, like I, I didn't want to turn it, turn this into like shit on the progressives hour but i think just like the the moment we're living in right now like you just see so many examples of it like if you i feel like you really have to be willfully blind or you have to be like really ideologically possessed to pay attention to the news and like still think the left wing has like a real hold on on things like you look at san francisco and you look at what a fucking shit show it is. Read the book San Francisco by my, Michael Schellenberger. Like, I can't recommend it enough. Or look him up on the Rogan podcast or look him up on YouTube. Like, fully breaks down how they've completely destroyed a beautiful city of San Francisco and look at Los Angeles as well. And then not only that, that's the local level. Look at the <laughs> society as a whole or look at the, the federal government, Biden. I was somebody like, we're people that like, I was kind of iffy about Biden, but I was like, you know what? 
he's better than Trump because Trump is a fucking maniac. And I still think Trump is a fucking maniac. But look at the policies. Look at what's happening. Look at what's happening with inflation. Look at what is happening with with the uh, with just everything. Everything in general right now in America fucking sucks. And um, oil <laughs> just prices quickly, are um, gas prices. Gas prices. Yeah, gas prices. Like just everything, dude. Like okay, uh, inflation is another thing that like quickly that we can tackle about like how wrong sided a lot of the progressive like. In theory, yeah, um, let's pump more money into the economy. Let's just throw more money at it. Or like, let's raise the minimum wage for $15. And like, people don't understand that. Like, you can't just throw money at things, right? There's law, like, of cause and effect. And like, I feel like one of the biggest downfalls of society is going to be people, humans that just don't understand basic economics and that never took a course in their life that they've never read Thomas Sowell and once you read Thomas Sowell and once you like really learn economics like you just realize that you can't just like there's always like it just gets back to the whole trade-off it's not even people that have never read economics it's Janet Yellen getting up there and saying we're going to tax unrealized gains to subsidize or pay for our infrastructure but what do you mean you're going to tax unsubsidized gains or sorry unrealized gains so if they're not realize are you going to give that money back or if they lose money on so, a stock like you're going to collapse the the S&P 500 you're going to collapse the stock market that's what you're going to end up doing like nobody's going to want to invest who's going to want to invest when they know that their potential gains could be taxed and they don't even know what those gains could be and how is the system going to work and, and this, like, this is that- or so just quickly this is why te- this is why um Elon Musk just sold fifteen billion dollars worth of of Tesla stock, and it yeah. it tanked the stock. So you have a blue chip stock that you know hundreds of hedge funds and you know indexes like the S and P five hundred rely on for our economic well being, and you've cost not only you know Musk money, but you've cost millions of people that are invested in these companies and these index funds. You know millions maybe thousands of dollars and what are these people what is the end game here like just to to ruin the entire economy to just inflate our dollars so much that we you can't you can't invest in assets because those are going to be taxed through right through these unrealized gains and then if you don't invest your money well then this is going to be just subject to inflation because there's so much money in circulation we just keep printing money and and passing these four trillion dollar infrastructure bills so where do you where do you win right you can't invest and your money is now worth less than it was a year ago or a month ago so yeah it's just more about that more about inflation like again another way that progressive politics don't really work like you can't spend your way out of a problem yeah yeah it's just a fundamental like misinterpretation of like how society works and how society flourishes like society flourishes through innovation and through to uh through people coming up with like new ideas or new products that get people to buy those products that get people to invest in those products and that create corporations and these corporations in turn create a bunch of jobs for a bunch of new people and it creates wealth for a bunch of new people and this is all built from the ground up Right. It's not top down. It's not the government throwing money at things. It's Steve Jobs in a freaking garage coming up with this like brilliant idea or Bill Gates or Elon Musk 
right? It's human innovation. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of free market capitalism is it allows humans to thrive under a free society, under free free markets. And like, I'm not this like strict adherent like to capitalism. I do think that the, uh, in certain aspects, you know, we should try to like regulate it, especially when it comes to like selling freaking, I don't know, fentanyl to kids. Like, I don't think we should be advertising for, no, I don't think it's the market calls for it. I'm not like the strict, you know, fundamentalist capitalist, but I do think that just so many people fail to recognize like the amount of good free market capitalism has brought to society and how it's lifted so many people out of poverty. Like in the last 25 years, we like every day, a hundred thousand people get lifted out of poverty. And that's all because of free market capitalism. That's all because of free trade. And um, Adam Smith, called this out like hundreds of years ago and um and we're like there's the goose. We're, we're killing the goose that's laying all these gold to net like all this exactly. innovation all this innovation all this freaking technology that now we're living through this is all because of free market capitalism and we're about to kill the goose that laid all these golden eggs because these freaking communists think that that they have it all figured out yeah damn commies <laughs> <laughs> No, they just look, there's nothing intrinsic about, there's nothing intrinsic about regulating capital that says, I'm, I'm going to regulate capital. I'm going to regulate businesses. And so therefore I need a bunch of government regulations. You can be specific about the capital or the things that you regulate, the business that you regulate, but it doesn't, it's not, you know, I need regulation. Therefore I should build a giant bureaucracy that gums up the works and, stops innovation right and in a great example of this is seatbelts right are you can put a stopgap on an actual problem right so government puts a regulation for seatbelts and then now we kind of gotten used to reliably about forty thousand vehicle deaths a year but if we didn't have seatbelts we could have had genuine innovation in vehicle safety right so which is what Tesla has done now, right? Which is multiple airbags, you know, individually spinning wheels. And because you have government regulation, because you have so much intervention, you've kind of, you kind of stimmy, right? Uh, innovation. And I'm like, like I said, I'm, I'm generally for less regulation and just against just blanket statements like tax the rich that, yeah. that might sound good, but it's, it's also, it doesn't it's like work fundamental like people think that like the system like with tax to rich i think you're like people would think that like oh just because you're rich it automatically means like you fuck people over or you rob somebody or like you got there like through like some shitty means but like a good like majority of rich people especially in america didn't get there because like their parents were wealthy or like they robbed people they got there because they came up with like really world-changing ideas and world-changing innovations that benefited so many people with Jeff Bezos, with Amazon, with Steve Jobs, with Apple, with Bill Gates, with Microsoft. And like the list is endless. Like the reason why they became billionaires is because they came up with products that helped billions and billions of people. And um, again, this isn't to say that there isn't crony capitalism or there isn't people that fuck other people over or there isn't uh plutocracy or what is it plutocracy with um 
with um, just corruption in general, like we're not saying that, we're just simply saying that a good portion of rich people like genuinely did aren't, aren't evil, right? This whole idea of just like, oh, tax the rich, like it's just, it just misses the point completely. And like, you just parade yourself as like this, like, oh, look at me, I'm like tax the rich, you know? So cool, but you're just not, you're not looking past not you know you're not really thinking about this deeply but i don't know dude i think my my brain is all ideaed out right now but um. yeah yeah we covered a lot and <laughs> yeah i gave a little synopsis or recap yeah. but i think yeah ultimately it just shows <laughs> and, and yes you can't say this about conservatives but i think why i why i tend to focus on the left or progressives is because it's it's just permeated so much of 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 our daily lives it's everywhere control so much like they control exactly like like, uh, also like a lot of like liberals try to like oh like we're uh, we're part of the resistance it's like dude you have the backing of the freaking universities the mainstream media all of the strongest corporations all of silicon valley Valley, the strongest corporations and the freaking government and the presidency and the federal government like you are not the resistance <laughs> yeah you are you're not raging against the machine like you are the machine yeah, yeah exactly it's and, and if that doesn't it, i was just gonna say it's trippy that like we've reached a point in our especially again because we grew up raging against the machine towards conservatives but like we've now reached a point in our in our world where that word applies to raging against the self-righteous Democrats and wokes and mainstream medias. Uh, yeah, no, raging against the status quo and progressives have become the status quo. It's in everything. It's in every aspect of life. It's in our universities. It's in our media. It's in our you know tech. Um, it's everywhere. And, and there's no escaping it. And that's why people always ask me, you know, why don't you ever criticize the right or Trump or something like that? Or, well, because they don't play any significant role in my life. Like I don't. And like Trump is in like the right wing right now isn't trying to freaking have me wear a mask everywhere I go. The right wing isn't having to freaking dictate, you know, how many shots I get. Like I got vaccinated, but like, I'm not going to play this game where every freaking five months I'm going to get a Pfizer job. Like I'm, two and I'm out like and I didn't even want to get vaccinated in the first place because I already had natural immunity so I was like what the fuck do I even need to get a fucking stupid vaccine for like I'm young I work out and I'm healthy like but I did it all right whatever like it's not even a big deal I'm not anti-vac but um but yeah now it's that somebody told you or forced you huh it's that somebody told you or forced you or mandated it. Yeah, exactly. And that's now that's literally what's happening. That's literally what's happening. Now it's like, oh, the, even with two shots, you're not even fully vaccinated. It's already happening. It's like four jabs or, or lose your job, you know? And like, it's like, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to play that game. Fuck that. I'm not, again, I'm not anti-vax, but this idea that like every five months I have to strictly follow the regime and do what they say and get any vaccine they, they tell me like especially when it doesn't even stop transmission <laughs> it's so pointless like it's just the authoritarians like at the end of the day what i'm against in anything is like people trying to tell me what to do like i'm my own human and i can make my own decisions and i can you know 
rationally interpret the science as best as I can. But the moment you start like dictating what I can and can't do, then we're going to have a problem. And as far as I see it right now, the right wing just isn't doing that. The left wing is the one, the, the side that's trying to come in and like dictate what I do with my, my body and, and my life. That that's the biggest problem. I feel like that presents itself. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Any uh, parting statements before um, we log off? No, I think uh, I think that was really good. And um, yeah, like we said, we're not like these super right wing guys. Like we we criticized Trump like all of the, like the last five years. Like five years ago tonight, me and my sister Julie were like finding out that Trump was going to be the president for the next four years. And we were fucking tripping out. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> we have to sit through four years of this freaking maniac being president. And, um, and yeah, but um, just given the way the world has like turned out and just like analyzing the evidence and just analyzing the facts and not allowing like the media to like dictate what I'm going to believe and like really trying to pay attention to politics. It's just led me to, to the positions that I'm at now. And I know I've alienated a lot of people, especially on Instagram. Like I don't even have that big of an Instagram, but I know a lot of the people that follow me are like super progressive. And like a lot of like my family members and like friends are like, they view themselves as like these like really good people. And they're like liberals and like vote for Gavin Newsom and like all these, but like at the end of the day, I'm not going to, you know, lie to people. I'm just going to say what I feel. And if that so happens to, to, to offend people, then, then I'm sorry, you know, yeah. say how I feel. And so, so be it. Well said. Well, I think it's a good ending point. Um, once again, people, sorry for the delay in the, our recordings have been kind of sporadic, but we fully intend on getting uh, back up and running, uh, recording more frequently. Uh, you can find us again at the Al Podcast on both uh, Instagram and Twitter. And then don't forget, Ozzy is the host of the uh, Wizard of Oz podcast. Uh, you can find it on Spotify and iTunes. Or not iTunes. I don't how that dates me. I don't even think iTunes is a thing anymore. Um, Apple Podcasts. So you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So uh, thanks again, Ozzy, for joining us. And um, Thanks for being offended with us. See you.